Uh, well, as I said earlier, we're finishing our series in James today, and it's been you know a long series, but I have really enjoyed it. I have been challenged by it myself, and so that's always good when you can get into God's Word and and grow and and be chiseled, you know, be shaped and be molded by God, because then you know it's real, right? Uh, you know God's working in your life. And just to lighten the mood a little bit, to get us going, I wanted to uh, add some humor to this, okay? So I, I looked up some uh, misprints that have been advertisements, and so let's just go through those together. So first of all, from an auto repair service, they put an advertisement in the paper that says this, free pickup and delivery, try us once, you'll never go anywhere again. <laughs> okay, what about a bank? Found this one from a bank. Save regularly in our bank, you'll never re-get it. All right, so uh, used cars, you know we got used cars dealerships in our area. Why go elsewhere to be cheated? Come here first. <laughs> All right, if you're a teacher, here's one. Here's your job. Three-year-old teacher, needed for preschool. Experience preferred. <laughs> And then finally, food worker, food worker wanted, prepare of food, must be dependable, like the food business, and be willing to get hands dirty. <laughs> Who wants to eat there, right? <laughs> uh, well, here, here's another one, okay? Here's, here's one. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Is that a misprint? Kind of has that vibe, though, doesn't it? Kind of makes you think twice, well, what's, what's he saying here? Uh, this is how we started in this series with this verse. Um, and this is really what James is all about. And I tell you, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that I can go back and read James and, and, and understand that my faith can be real, even though my life is messed up. You know, I'm thankful that just because, man, my life isn't perfect or I don't have things all going in my favor, in my direction, it doesn't mean that I'm not a child of God. The book of James has taught us that in this life we're going to have trials, we're going to have hardships, we're going to have trouble. And then what do we do with that, you see? Uh, James has given us a road map, taught us how to have real faith in real life, and how to have joy in that midst. Joy in knowing that we're not alone in our hardships. You know, God's with us. And God can use what we're going through for not only our good, but for his glory, right? So we're coming to the end of this letter, and just like, you know, any end of a letter, you try to fit all the important stuff in at the end, don't you? You know, if you're saying your goodbyes to somebody, uh, you're writing somebody for, uh, for the last time for a long time, you try to fit a lot in. James sort of does that too. And, and it's scattered just a little bit, so we're just going to have to be patient and go through it together because these last few instructions James gives to these Christians are so important. They, they are not just important to them, but they're very important to us. And so we're just going to go through these instructions one right after the other, and we're going to quickly 
look at these instructions that James gave to the believers because they're important to us as well. If you have your Bibles with you, we're in the last chapter of James, James chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 7. First off, as we go through life and as we experience trials, as we experience hardships, we need to do this. Wait for the Lord patiently and expectantly. Wait for the Lord patiently and expectantly. Look what he says in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. So right uh, from the get-go here, James gives us an instruction to be patient. And that's really the theme of this section of Scripture. This word patient is used several times over the next few verses. Be patient. Don't be anxious. Don't be overcome with worry. Many of us struggle with patience. You'll be the first to admit it, probably. I'm not a patient person. I've struggled with that my whole life. I see that same struggle in my daughter, Callie. She struggles with patience. All kids struggle with that, but Callie especially. She sees these baptisms going on, and, you know, she'll... She'll tell me she wants to be baptized, and, and at first, you know, I'm, I get excited, you know. Um, we start talking and having those conversations, and it's obvious that she's not ready. Um, she's wanting to get baptized so bad because everybody else is doing it. She really doesn't understand it yet, so I'm thankful that God is working in her heart, and eventually it'll be me and her up there. That'll be a great day. Uh, but, but she just, right now, she needs to be patient and allow God to continue to work in her heart. She wants horses. And, uh, you know, how do you, what do you do with that? Get your kid a horse? You know, uh, I want a horse. She's been asking that for years. And I, saw, I, I told her this a couple of years ago. I said, when you turn 10, I'll get you a horse. So that is uh, closely, it's fastly approaching. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. Uh, but, you know, I just told her, look, I know you want that so bad. But, but just be patient. It would not be good for you right now, and it would not be good for me right now. Be patient. I will get you a horse at some point. And then she says, I want, I want to have a baby. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, okay, you really need to be patient with that, all right? Uh, that's going to come a lot later in, in life. You, you, know, you don't want one of those right now. Uh, but James is, is challenging us to be patient. Be patient for how long? How long? Until the Lord returns. That's a challenge, isn't it? Especially when we don't know. Uh, especially when things are tough. Look, if when we're going through difficulty, what do you want to happen? I want it to be over. I want it to end. When is this going to be over, God? I want it to end ASAP, right? But James says, be patient. And, and that's hard for us to understand, so he gives us an illustra- illustration here uh, at the end of verse 7. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now, we can sort of relate to this illustration. we got farmers in this area. I've worked with farmers. Um, they knew how to work, didn't they? Farmers, hardworking people. But they also knew how to be patient. 
They knew how to wait. They, they did what they can do in the fields. They worked hard, and then they, they depended on God to bring the rain. In this dry area of Palestine, it didn't rain very much. Uh, but it always rained in two seasons, in the fall and in the spring. And so the farmers worked with that in mind. They worked hard knowing that the rains would come. So, look, they didn't get caught up in the fact that they would have to go through a few droughts. They didn't get caught up in the fact that they uh, would have to work really hard and that it didn't rain for weeks and months. They worked and they waited patiently through the hard times and through the drought because they expected the rains to come. And that's what James is saying here. You can be patient through your trials, through the tough times, because people of faith can expect better days ahead. We can. Be patient because the good is coming. Times might be tough right now, but a time of renewal is coming. That's the mind we need to have. That's how we are to live, patiently, but also expectantly. Because everything in God's Word points to Him returning. That's what we long for. We long for the Lord's return. But let me ask you this, do you live for the Lord's return? We long for it. We need to live for it as well. But you know, learning to live with patience isn't easy. It's a learning process for me. When the trials come, we need to be ready to endure those trials. Endure them. And that's what James instructs the people to do next. Endure trials faithfully. Endure trials faithfully. Not only are, are we to be patient with our lives, we are to be faithful in our trials. And that means we, we work our way through them. Trials and hardships sometimes can feel like a grind. And really that's what they're supposed to be. Just like the farmer, right? We work through the hard times. We labor and toil through the difficulties. We don't stop working. What happens if the farmer stops working? Crop doesn't pay off, right? When the rains do come, it doesn't pay off. There's not a harvest. That means as we go through trials, we keep our faith and we keep working. We keep being obedient to God. We don't stop. We endure them. Verse 10, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. James is saying, look, I know you are going through difficulty, the people he's writing to. I know for some of you, life is hard right now. But you need to remember that some of the greatest people of our faith, the prophets, your heroes, they went through hardships too. The prophets were given a task of speaking on behalf of the Lord. Right? People like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, those guys... All of them went through difficulty. They were treated poorly by others, even their own people. And James is saying, look, we, we look back on that now. We look back on their lives now, and we see how they persevered. As a matter of fact, people like Daniel, he was driven from his home, just like you. He didn't give up. Those prophets didn't give up. They remained faithful and obedient through the most challenging circumstances in life. And because of that, because they were faithful, 
because they endured faithfully, they were blessed. And so James is trying to relate that to them. And as the heart of a pastor, he really is trying to encourage them. He's trying to comfort them. He's saying hard times isn't something new. People of faith have gone through difficulties and challenges in the past and have made it through. And, and look, so can, you, so can you. You can too. You can make it. He says, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, most of us know the story of Job, don't we? Uh, he, he suffered probably more than anyone else, in the, not only in the Bible, but anybody else that we could really think of. He lost everything. You know, lost his house, lost his fortune, lost all of his assets, even lost all of his family members. And he lost everything. Everything. He had his life. That was it. His life became sick. He became diseased. And through that, he struggled. Uh, through that, he questioned God. Through that, he doubted. Through that, he was sorrowful. But you know what? He never once rejected God. Not once. Job endured those trials. And look, it says, finally, finally, the Lord did something. You know, in the book of Job, there are 42 chapters in the entire book. And it isn't until chapter 42 that Job is restored. Look at Job 42, verse 12. Last chapter in Job. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Wow. You know, Job went through many challenges, but he endured and he remained faithful to God. And in the end, the Lord blessed that. The Lord, full of compassion and mercy, blessed Job twofold. Everything he lost, all his possessions, they were doubled. He went on to have... Ten more children. And he was even able to see four generations of his family live and prosper. And the point is this. Job was not, Job was not only restored, but he was blessed abundantly in the end. But what did he have to do? Endure those trials. He had to endure 41 chapters to get to the next one. If some of you need to hear that this morning. Be faithful in your trial and, and know this. You endure them faithfully, something better awaits. Something better awaits you. You might have to endure some things, but don't lose heart. Keep your faith because the Lord will restore you. A at some point, the Lord will bring about goodness if we stay faithful to him. He will. Look at this. We started James off like this too. James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, we've circled back around. Just like the farmer who expects those latter rains, the person of faith who endures trials faithfully can expect abundant blessing. You can. Stay faithful. The rain is on its way. There is something better coming. The Lord promised that. You know, sometimes, though, it's hard to stay faithful when we go through trials and we get caught up in the world. 
when we allow the world to influence us, you know, if we're not careful, we can be molded by the world instead of being shaped by God. So the next instruction James gives us has to do with our character. And as we go through life, as we go through seasons of challenge and difficulty, it's important that our character remains intact. And so the next instruction is this, live with integrity. Live with integrity. Verse 12, James says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Now, this is a short, short verse here, and many read through this and think it's just something simple. James is trying to fit in last minute, but it's not. It's very important, and so we, we all need to sort of lean in here. It's so important that James says, above all, right? So that really needs to get our attention. He says, don't swear. Now, he's not talking about using foul language or cursing, but some of you may need to pay attention to that. But that's not what he's getting at here. He's talking about giving an oath. Giving an oath. You know, it was, pop, it was popular for Jews to give, give oaths. And they did this so you would trust them in order to gain their trust. And if a person swore by God, they had to do it. But if they swore by anything else, anything other than God, they didn't have to do it. It was just if they wanted to or not. In other words, the oath wasn't binding and so imagine living in a society like that. Imagine living in a culture like that. You really couldn't trust anyone, could you? And, and vice versa, you couldn't expect anyone to trust you. What a terrible way to live. And that really bothered James. So he's, he's encouraging Christians to be people of integrity, not people of oaths. He, he's saying if you have to convince someone that you're a good person, that you're going to keep your word, then there's something wrong with that. You know, he's talking about integrity, reputation. That is so important. If you lose your integrity, if you damage your reputation, not only will your personal life be affected, but your ministry will be affected too. It, it could be ruined. And that's what that word condemned means. It's like a house that's condemned that you can't go in, right? It's just there. It doesn't do any good. It just, it's just there. If you lose your reputation, that's what your life is like. Just there. That's kind of what James is referring to. Look, when times get tough, we need to buckle down and pay attention to our integrity. Pay attention to our reputation. It's very easy, especially when you're down, to become negative, to become bitter, to become angry. In other words, it's very easy when you go through difficulty to lose your integrity. Very easy. Well, we need to be aware of that. Our lives are a testimony. And we need to be known for how we handle adversity because people are watching. We need to be known for how we go through difficulty and hard times because people are looking at how we respond to those. As Christians, we represent who? Christ. Christ. That's why James says above all, because the one we represent is above all. We're made in the image of God, meant to reflect and represent God out in this world. So as we go through trials 
And as we endure these trials faithfully, we need to do so with integrity. And remember this, that our reputation matters. It does. The next instruction James gives is very important, and it it involves prayer. It involves prayer. James says this, make prayer essential. Make prayer essential. Now, this should be obvious to us, but unfortunately, many Christians don't pray enough. Or their prayer life is just non-existent, right? So near the end of this letter, James reminds us of how important prayer is. Prayer is to be a major part of a Christian's life, not just an accessory that you wear, right? When you feel like it, or when it looks good, or when it fits, or when it matches. It needs to be part of your everyday life. Verse 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So James is going through these instructions here about praying. Jesus, James's brother, taught his disciples how to pray. And James is instructing his people when to pray, how to use prayer in, in their life. And it's really on all occasions. All occasions. James says this, is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. And them's very important because them is who? You. Them is us. Now listen to me. This is so important. We are so quick to pass along a prayer request. And that's important too. But we, sometimes we skip the step of praying ourselves. I've done it, so I know it's real. And sometimes we lose that connection with God between us and God, and we want to immediately tell others to pray for us, and we don't spend time on our knees, in our homes, in our quiet places, alone with the Father. And we need to do that. We miss, we miss out on our prayer. Let them pray if you're in trouble. And then he says, happy. Is anyone happy? Let who? Let them. Let us praise You know, prayer is to be central to our lives through the bad and the good. Bad and good. We need to run to God when things get bad. But we need to remember God when things are good. He says, is anybody sick? You know, he's covering all the areas. He's just not pointing these areas out. He's pretty much saying on all occasions, is anybody among you sick? Let them, let them call the elders. You know, people who were really sick in this culture, really suffering, were bedridden, couldn't get out and do things, they were to ask the elders to come and to pray with them. And uh, they, they anointed them with oil, and this was more symbolic than anything else. They used oil for medicine back then, uh, but they also used it to anoint people to set aside for a special purpose. So this is pretty much saying you are special and God is in this and I'm going to pray to God on your behalf and this moment is sacred. Now, when I pray for people, um, you know, I try to hold hands. Uh, I try to, you know, lay my hand on a, on a person to the individual just to let, the, let them know that this moment, they are special. This moment is special and they are set aside for this, this purpose of prayer. It's comforting to know that, man, I've got somebody else praying for me, and I'm set aside specially for this, this one purpose right here. 
You know, some of you ask me to pray for you, and I do. I do. In Acts, the elders had two primary responsibilities, the ministry of the word and the prayer. They were to be devoted to those two things. Um, so if you have a need, don't hesitate to ask me to pray for you because, I mean, that's why I ask every week. That's why I ask that. Prayer is so important. Look at verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, there's a lot of things that happen when we pray. A whole lot of things. There's healing. I believe in healing to you. I believe God still heals. There's healing. There's restoration. I believe God is in the restoration business. There's forgiveness. I believe God is about forgiveness. And when we pray for that, you think that's his will? It absolutely is. In other words, when we pray, we invite more of God into our lives and into our situations. And James mentions something very important here. It's not just it's not just you praying for yourself. It's not just the elders praying for you, but it's you praying for others too. All are called to pray for one another. That's how God works. God works through the prayers of his people. The person doesn't have any special power, the pastor or the elder. There's nothing special about him. He doesn't have any power. But when we give our circumstances over to the Lord, it's his power. It's his power. He does the work. He does the healing. He does the forgiving. He does the restoration. He forgives the sin, not us. It's him. Our prayers are simply this. Part of God's restoration and healing process. What an amazing privilege that is. You know, look, sometimes healing takes place. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes emotional healing takes place. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes situations get better. Sometimes they don't. The point is, through our faith, we join together in prayer. We place our problems in the hands of God. We, we pray for ourselves. We ask others to pray for us. We pray for others. And through that process, through that faith, we give our request, our situations over to God. And we trust in His will and in His power. That's what we do. That's what happens. Look, there's power in prayer. And if you're skipping out on it, you are voluntarily skipping out on God's power. God's power through prayer is available to each one of us, to all of us. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Imagine that. James is saying, look, prayer is powerful. Look what this guy Elijah did and was able to accomplish through prayer. Verse 18, again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. You know what? Elijah was a man. Like me. He was a human. Like all of us. The same power through prayer is available to us. Did you know Elijah's God is our God? Same God. And Jesus said that just a little bit of faith, a little bit of real faith, just a tiny bit of genuine faith can move a mountain. Do you believe that? 
I wonder what our lives would be if we became people of prayer rather than Christians who prayed periodically. I think our lives would change drastically. I wonder what our church would look like if all of us prayed for each other instead of arguing with each other. You know, when we, when we pray for each other, we grow, grow closer to God. But, but listen, we also grow closer to each other when we do that. There's a relationship there that is put together, that is strong, that is tough. When we pray together, we become woven together. You know what we start to resemble? A family. Family. And the final instruction James gives us has to do with that, the family. And so it's this restore and reconcile family members. You know, sometimes believers go through seasons of difficulty and they end up straying from the faith. I know you've seen it. You might you might have done that. You might be there now. It's important that we understand that. Sometimes this will happen. According to the Bible, we have a responsibility to go after them. To go after them. To pursue them faithfully. The church is a family, so we are to act like a family. Can you imagine if one of your family relatives, blood family, you know, was making terrible decisions, ruining their lives? You would say something to them, wouldn't you? You would talk to them. You would show them concern. You would show them love. You would reach out to them. You would try to help them. That's how we're supposed to act in the church as well. Like a family. Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Well, that's... That's how God's family is supposed to act. We are to watch out for each other. You know, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing together, of restoration, of restoring. You know, we come to God on our own, but we also help others who have veered off course to come back to God. That's what we do. In other words, look, we don't give up on each other. We don't give up on each other. We don't write somebody off. And this is important because, look, one day it could be you. One day it could be me. Jesus brought us to God, and you know what? I'm glad that Jesus never gave up on me. He, he pursued me even when I veered off course. Even when I strayed, he pursued me. He chased me down. He brought me back to him. And as a follower of Jesus, we are to do the same thing. You know what? We don't leave family members behind. We don't. Speaking of Jesus, as we close, Jesus came into this same world I know sometimes we don't appreciate that enough. He came here into the same world that we live in, this broken, fallen world. And he went through the temptations. He went through the trials. He went through the hardships. Everything that we have experienced and will experience, he did. Everything. 
when times get hard, when times get tough, that's who we need to look to is to Jesus. And just like James instructed his people, hey, remember the prophets of old, how they endured, how they persevered faithfully. We need to look back at Jesus and his life and how he endured. He's not only our example to follow, but he is also our source of strength, which allows us to endure trials faithfully until he returns. Now, Jesus says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Wow, that's encouraging. That's our prayer. That's the theme of James. Take heart, because Jesus has overcome this world. Our faith, our strength, our hope is in the one who overcame this world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus. We do thank you that uh, we can look at the life that Jesus lived and relate to it. He wasn't just some kind of uh, God that just came here and was given a privileged life and was lived in luxury and had everything easy for him. But no, he It was your plan for him to come humbly and to be like one of us in each and every way so that not only he could atone for us at the cross, but so we could look at his life and and live the same life that he did. When we go through trials, when we go through difficulties, we can look back and say, my Savior went through all that. When we think about the cross, and we think about what was done for us, we can look back and, and think that you died in our place. And then we think that the grave is empty and we can have hope and we can have joy in knowing that Jesus has overcome this world. Jesus has conquered not only sin, but death. And when we place our faith in Jesus, that brings us joy to know that something better awaits When the Lord returns, when we see him face to face, we know that all this world, the suffering, the hardships, the trials of this life will be over. It is our prayer this morning that until that day comes, that we wait patiently, we work expectantly. And Father, when you do return, that we are prepared to meet you. Father, continue to help us grow into who you want us to be. Continue to mold us and shape us. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.